The Kinky Boys Podcast. Exploring one kink at a time. Hello and welcome to the Kinky Boys Podcast. I'm Craig. And I'm Arthur. And today we are talking about chastity. One of my favorite topics, Yes, too. yes, I thought this would be appropriate. We've actually already done an episode on chastity way back in the halcyon days of um, episode two. Uh, but we did that with Michael, who was a sub and quite new to it. And I thought this time around it would be good to talk to you, who, uh, quite frankly, is very experienced and quite enjoys putting boys in locks. It's true. Lock the world is my mm-hmm, motto. Mm-hmm. So that <laughs> is going to be a good episode, I feel. Uh, first things first, I want to thank our show sponsor level patrons, Matha O'Mara, for supporting this podcast. If you want to help out and get your name recognized, we have a £5 tier, which lets you be a sh- named show sponsor. If you just want the show early, you can get it for just a pound. Uh, so going off the show, yes, uh, let's start with the basics. What is chastity, if, in case people have no idea? Well, I mean, a very basic definition would be chastity is a form of play where one person controls the other person's orgasms or rather denies them the ability to have an orgasm on their term, uh, usually through some kind of physical device that restricts access to mm-hmm. the genitals. There are other forms of chastity that people have tried, but those tend to be more sort of edge case things where, for example, people will try hypnotism as a form of chastity. But those are fewer and farther between than using, say, a a physical cage that locks over the penis or uh, full belts that go front and back uh, are also quite popular, very expensive for the nicer ones. But I think that's a a pretty comprehensive definition. Um, I know a lot of people also basically do it um, without any sort of device, and it's sort of their dom testing them and sort of getting them yeah, to it's, essentially uh, what's called a cum ban. Yeah, it's a, a self-discipline mm. thing. Which I imagine in a lot of ways can be a lot harder than just wearing a cage. Oh, of course, because without that... Mm physical restriction like even when you're asleep at night you know and and getting random erections it's they're free to 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 roam so to speak and can rub against things and generate sensation when someone's in say a chastity cage even evening erections while they're asleep aren't unrestrained and in some cases that can keep folks up but it's a, a good example of how a physical device blocks off a certain level of physical arousal that happens even when you're not directly, you know, responsible for your own control. And and that can lead into a sort of, that itself is a power exchange because someone else um, is blocking you from using your own body and using sort of your own junk and taking away the, the option itself from you. It's true. And there are things you can accomplish with a cage that you can't accomplish with just self-discipline. For one thing, some chastity subs really get into the idea of being forced into progressively smaller cages Mm -hmm. with less room 
for their erection. Um, some of them do have fantasies about their penis becoming smaller over time um, because of doing that. So, you know, there, there are certain things you can get to just with the psyche and with self-discipline. And there are certain things that do require uh, a physical apparatus to achieve. Yeah. So we've talked about essentially what's in it for the sub. So what's in it for the dom? Because you are quite into chastity play with your subs. You are what is commonly referred to as a key holder, which means you hold the key to um, the chastity device. So why don't you talk us about that? What's the appeal? What's what's behind that? Well, I mean, one obvious thing is when you have a submissive in chastity, over time, they, they get hornier and hornier, which means they become more and more eager. And it's very fun to sort of watch a submissive getting that wound up, uh, getting that sort of desperate for release. And that's usually where the fun is for the submissive as well. You know, it's a great way to keep someone in a very sexually aroused mind state. Um, the other thing is obviously, you know, it's a form of mm -hmm. control. Control is a thing we moms <laughs> enjoy quite a bit. Um, you know, go figure. Uh, so there's that. Um, and also it's, it's a form of long-term scene when you look at it. I mean, even a, a really well-planned, well-orchestrated, drawn-out BDSM scene might be like a couple of hours. But with chastity, you're measuring a scene in terms of days or months or for very disciplined people longer. So it's a, it's a scene that kind of keeps going on at a very steady sort of level for long periods of time. And there's a certain level of psychological gratification both people get from that and help you feel more connected to it. So with a boy being constantly horny, I guess it makes him much easier to not just tease, but also to make it, does it make them more submissive? Frequently. Frequently that's a side effect. Another thing is chastity can be an important precursor to getting someone to the end goal on their hands-free orgasm fantasy. Okay. Um, the, the, the more you pack up the pressure of the pipe, so to speak. Uh, the easier it is to get them to pop without direct manual stimulation of the penis. Um, so I had a submissive um, that I had in long-term chastity for a while, and we can we can talk about how long he was in there, uh, maybe a little bit later when we get to sort of durations and limits and stuff. But um, we were putting him in progressively longer stints of chastity to see if we could get him sort of backed up enough that we could get him off without manual stimulation. And eventually we got there. Um, the Holy Grail is usually anal, of course, for someone to come while being fucked. But in the, this case, I used Electro finally to get him off. Okay. And he had his first hands-free orgasm with an East mm -hmm. M Systems box. Um, so that was a new experience for him. But part of getting him to that point was he, he was one of those people who were getting a hands-free orgasm can be difficult unless he's got, you know, the right mindset and uh, a backlog, shall we say, to, to get yeah, out. Yeah, because for a lot of people, it is quite difficult. And I speak from personal experience, like I have been given a prostate massage for what felt like ages. And even though I felt very close to having a Hasri orgasm, I just could never get over that point. Yeah, we wound up tripling his stay in chastity to get him where he needed to be. Um, 
And, uh, well, I mean, I guess I might as well go with durations. The initial duration was about a month. And then we said, okay, a month didn't seem to quite get you there. Maybe we can shoot for two. But during his, you know, his regular hours, his day job, his regular life, he was quite busy. Um, he worked for a major technology company. He had a, a job that had, you know, rather long hours and demanding requirements. And so we wound up actually keeping him in there for 99 days at the end instead of wow. 60. And, and that did the trick. Um, and then some. The Eastim Systems 2B, uh, 2B that I used on him was able to uh, uh, quite easily extract a load um, after a, a little bit of, you know, Simple ass play, a little mm -hmm. bit of prostate massage, a whole lot of electro. So we, we got him there, and he had his first hands-free experience. Ah, sounds fun. Yeah. Was for both of them. <laughs> and I also know, I mean, speaking of using chastity for training purposes, I also know a lot of people use it just to sort of, if they have a mental barrier against doing anal, or if they don't have sensitive nipples, doms will put them in chastity to try and force them into that mindset you know when you make people hornier in general they'll be into a variety of things that normally they might be eh, maybe interested in but not necessarily ready to go all the way give them a good 30 days in chastity and suddenly those ideas go from and eh, maybe i might be interested to yeah i'm interested mm -hmm. so there's an advantage to that. It's also interesting that some subs like to be locked up so that there isn't pressure for them to be tops. Um, because there are a lot of submissives who sometimes feel like, you know, there aren't that many doms in my area. There aren't that many tops. So people always try to pressure me into taking that dominant role. When people like that go into chastity, they often feel a sense of relief. Like, nope, that's not going to happen. I'm not going to top you. See? I'm all locked up. That I find very interesting. Because, well, I, I'll, I'll, I'll well, just be honest, I've been feeling that sort of pressure myself where it seems like whenever someone finds out I'm a switch, I'm automatically kind of almost expected to play the Dom role. Which, of course, can get very frustrating if, yeah. if you're in a submissive mood. Oh, yeah. And I mean, I've, I've seen people do a variety of things, including genital modification to make sure that folks understand, no, that's 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 not going up in you. Things go in me. But chastity is, is a very simple way. Some submissives send the message that not nah, seriously, I, I'm the submissive and the bottom here. You know, feel free to put a strap on over that cage if you want. But what's down here, you know, the, the anatomical portion of it. I, I don't want to use it like that. And this cage sets that limit for me. Wow. And, I mean, yeah, that can be very useful for people in the scene. I, I saw a lot of people, especially ones that do it very public, publicly, like posting about it on Twitter, tend, there tends to be a heavy aspect of humiliation mixed into being in chastity for them. Do you use that at all? Uh, sometimes it depends on the submissive. I had one, uh, back when I was still living on the East coast in Massachusetts. Um, we both lived and worked around the Boston area and there's an area called technology square, which attracts a lot of biotech and internet and other businesses, primarily because technology square is 
Sprite built around MIT. Right, right. And you know, I was at work and I started chatting with this uh, extremely submissive slave mm-hmm. who wanted like locked up and used and so on. So I actually had him sort of skirt over to the food court <laughs> next to where I was. I would get, I would give him assignments. And eventually we got him locked up in chastity as well. And it sort of went organically from that. But the humiliation aspect was sometimes, you know, I want you to go and do something related to this in maybe an area where you might get caught. Like, I want you to go maybe lock up someplace where you can get caught, that sort of thing. Um, Like in the, the men's bathroom at the food court take it in there with you and lock yourself up in there and then walk out with that in there, knowing that it's locked onto you and that it wasn't there when you came in. And now you have to go around like that. Um, there are a lot of ways you can do the humiliation. Another one that I've thought of doing, but I haven't had an opportunity to do yet is, uh, we have a nude beach around mm-hmm. here, rooster rock. It's extremely gay friendly. Um, like, zero hassle from the police or anything. So it's not uncommon to see people walking around completely naked with super heavy metal cock rings on them and such. I have entertained the idea of finding a submissive who was into the idea of being locked up before being brought to the nude beach completely locked. Wow. I imagine like, especially if they've got an exhibitionist sub being completely on display like that among other people who aren't would have a big appeal for them. It it does. It does. It has an audience. And, you know, part of the reason why I moved out here to the West Coast is where I live is beyond phenomenally liberal and accepting. So it's something they could do. And it it really wouldn't have any legal consequences out at Rooster Rock. Um, you know, it's it's not like anyone really cares about the fact that there are gay guys walking around, you know, wearing stuff on their junk. Uh, but at the same time, you know, there are other forums here that are available to me that aren't available elsewhere. Like public nudity is legal mm-hmm. in Portland. You could you could technically take off all your clothes in the middle of the street and walk down the street. And so long as your intent is not to arouse, you are within the bounds of the law. Okay. And the Portland Eagle in the past has been very, very, very accepting of nudity in the bar. Just they they would have nude nights and people would take off their clothes and leave them at the clothing check. So, you know, that's another good public forum for me to make use of with submissives. You know, tonight you're going to be locked up and you're going to be at the Eagle. You're not allowed any clothes. You're just allowed, you know, maybe a collar and a leash at most. Maybe I'll let you have your pupphood. Uh, that sort of a thing. That's another scene I've been considering doing. Right now, the, what's holding that one back is that A, um, the chastity sub that uh, I've been playing with that went the 99-day stint had to take a, a pause to focus on work, uh, you know, real life before yeah. kinks. I mean, it should be said, but, being in chastity a long time can be very distracting. <laughs> it, it can, and it can also be very taxing on the body in unexpected ways, like uh, chemical mm-hmm. reactions between your skin and metal cages, that sort of thing. But the other thing is that the Portland Eagle is going through this weird phase right now where someone new is buying the bar and apparently they've 
sort of banned nudity until they secure their loan and the bar changes hands. Right. It's kind of weird, but um, hopefully that'll get lifted soon. We're in the middle of the, the nice hot summer months. It's perfect nudity weather. So. Well, I hope it does. Seriously, it's... I mean, I sorry, I've had bad experiences with eagles in the past changing their policy. You and me both. Um, when I was a, a young cub uh, living in Massachusetts and going to college, um, I used to go to the Boston Ramrod all the time, and it was a pretty serious leather bar at the time. And then over time, it went from the back room has a dress code and you must be wearing this fetish gear or you must be in jeans and shirtless and all of that to the bar being reduced down to half of the club and the other half was for dance. And then it shrank and it shrank and then it eventually vanished. The ramrod was kind of the Boston's actual yeah. eagle because the eagle in Boston, ironically, not a leather bar. Go figure. Um, well, that's like the more London, of a social bar. London Eagle isn't actually an eagle in the sense you would expect. Like, one, they gave up their sex license and basically became a wine bar, and you know that was that. What? That's nuts. Well, basically, Vauxhall, the area they was in, was gentrifying, and for them, it was just easier to change over. Which you know they are a business. I can understand, but. I think they should have changed the name. Yeah, maybe, maybe the dandelion yeah, after that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, it's, you know, it, it varies from area to area, but we're we're getting a little bit <laughs> off track. But yeah, I, I'm kind of hoping that the, the nudity ban, you know, I keep I keep being reassured. No, it's temporary, but you never you know, know yeah. I, I'm not the most trusting. So, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, there's also the aspect of you brought up doing it in public, like in the bathroom. The thing about chastity is because you're in it 24-7, you are in it, like, in your professional work environment, around friends and family, and that can get complicated. Like, especially if you're going to, like, piss at a urinal or something, it can bring up complications depending on the environment you are in. Depending on the cage urinals may or may not be viable anyway. Um, the only chastity cages I think that are really good for urinal use, as opposed to, you know, I'm sure there's some circus acrobat out there who's figured out how to, to piss in a regular cage uh, at a urinal. But there are some that have urethral mm -hmm. tubes that will extend into the penis to sort of channel urine and, and come and such. And, you know, I guess you could kind of manage it with that. But for the most part, People who are in chastity have to sit, which is another part of the humiliation. That's something uh, my submissive Bailey has talked about, is that one of the things he likes when he's in chastity for me is that he has to sit to pee. Uh, you know, urinals aren't an option. That's mm -hmm. a form of humiliation for him. He enjoys. But in terms of other things that, you know, people might see, like when you're at the gym changing um, to go work out. Or things like that. It, it varies from person to person. Some people are like, yeah, if you catch a glimpse of, glimpse of something, um, maybe I get off on that embarrassing moment. Uh, and then, you know, give an awkward ex explanation like it's a medical appliance. Yeah. Or maybe you prepare in advance and, you know, you're already in a jock by the time you get to the gym, but you have kind of a unusually conspicuous bulge. Or for some other people, they might 
arrive at the gym in their full clothing. You know, that's just one example of how it depends on the sub, how much that impacts their day to day life in terms of how they present to the rest of the world. Because for most devices, if you're just in, you know, regular jeans that are just, you know, maybe a little bit baggy to conceal things, you can get away with it and people have no idea. Um, and that's another thing that people get turned on by is here I am with a device locked around my genitals and I'm unable to pleasure myself and I'm in the office or I'm on the subway or, you know, I'm at dinner with folks and no one knows but me and my dom. So it becomes sort of that fun, dirty secret. Yeah, I can imagine. Like if you're sitting at like, because I work in an office, if you're sitting at your office desk and you're just constantly feeling this tug on your balls of the weight that, that that's there, it, and no, and you know no one else in the office knows, it can be, you know, a bit of a head trip in a good way. Yeah. And it is, um, that is something I can speak to with my limited experience with it, is constantly having, even though you can't use it, constantly having this weight on your um, genitals, like the pull and the weight and tension that the device causes is constantly bringing your attention back to your genitals. And it gives this constant sexual sensation of, I am very sexually focused right now. Even though, and again, tying into it, you can't act on that. Exactly. And different people like different weights of cages. And different types. Some people like sort of the softer, you know, uh, more malleable plastics that sort of mold to your anatomy. Um, the longer you wear them, you know, just from your body heat and time. And those gen generally are very light. And sometimes people can even forget they're wearing them. Um, I've taken uh, a stab at 3D printing chastity devices, and I've run a bunch of tests with folks. And in general, when I set the infill low enough, um, infill for those of you in the audience who aren't 3D printing nerds, is how solid the object is inside. Is it like just uniformly material all the way through or is it sort of honeycombed with, you know, voids and, and structures that support it but don't make it solid? And ergo, it's lighter uh, but still pretty strong. I, I experimented with like, 50% infill, meaning it's 50% solid in there and 50% air. Mm -hmm. And those were light enough that some of the subs reported they forgot they had it on. They would forget until they had an erection or they would forget until they were changing. And then they go, oh, yeah, that is down there. Wow, it's light. And then some people like the really heavy steel ones. Um, I think the heaviest one I know of, and I, I haven't really like sat down with with scales to measure them, is that Mr. S makes something called the seed pod. And that uh, it comes in two varieties. One is sort of like an open cage, and the other one is just completely solid and enclosed. Um, and that seed pod has a lot of mass and a lot of bulk to it. All of your, your balls and your cock go into it completely. You seal it up. Looks kind of like a little, you know, cocoa pod or something, I guess. And there's just one hole at the bottom for urine to drain out of, and that's it. Wow. So, I mean, I can imagine that, yeah, because you're basically taking everything away and sealing everything off. Um, I'm wondering, how do you size up a boy for a chastity gauge? Because I think this is a big topic people often struggle with when trying to pick one. 
So part one, most chastity cages break down into two components. There's a the ring and then there's the bit meant to hold your cock. Um, so on the ring part, it's kind of like the same struggle people face with metal cock rings, right? If you have a rubber cock ring with snaps or a denim cock ring with snaps or mm -hmm. something like that, you can adjust. But with a metal cock ring, you have to size it very carefully. Um, and sometimes a perfect fit isn't a perfect fit. Uh, when I was living in Dallas, at one point, I had a metal cock ring I was sort of wearing out and about for the day, just for me. And I was also wearing my utilicilt for the day uh, with no underwear because it's Texas, it's hot, it kills mm -hmm. cool. And I went to a restaurant that was air conditioned and I was starting to sort of uh, get settled and get my meal. And as uh, any man will tell you, uh, cold air can cause shrinkage. And the next thing I know, I, I feel the cock ring slip off me because it was just <laughs> tight enough to be on when it was hard. But when I got really super soft at being cold, it slipped off and it fell, hit the cement floor, bounced with a massive clang. And I <laughs> reflexes kicked in and I just swooped down and grabbed it with my hand in one swift gesture and tucked it in my pocket on the first. Wow, battle. very well done. Clap, clap, clap. <laughs> Thank you. That's 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 self-preservation at work. I can imagine. Um, so it's. But that's kind of the deal with, with metal cock rings is the same deal you have with chastity cock rings, the ring part that, that goes around the base and, and anchors it. There's a lot of experimentation. You will hear a lot of submissive. Well, I tried this ring. Maybe I need the next one down, but the next one down's too small. If only I could find one in the middle. It's an ongoing struggle, and it, it pays to know your cock ring size. Yeah. But there's going to be some experimentation. Um, and then the other part is the, the sort of tube or cage that connects to that ring. And that is more a matter of comfort than size, usually. I mean, size, guys can be squished into very, 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 very small chastity tubes. Yeah. Um, on the PSM channel I run on Telegram, uh, there's one person there who is just on a quest to see how much he can crush his cock down into a tiny cage. Um, and I, he is one of those people, I think, who has that whole, you know, I want my, my cock to shrink as a result of this fantasy. So he has things that are barely bigger than a stub locked onto his. Um, but for a lot of other guys, the real challenge is, does it pinch? When I connect this cage with this ring, does it pinch? Um, what's the interior of the tube like? Um, do, is it sort of like a smooth slide or is it a little, you know, does it have a couple of burrs or a couple of rough imperfections? I ran into a ton of that when I was trying to 3D print. Um, there's that whole process. So for sizing, you know, can be a bit subjective. Um, comfort is usually the bigger problem. Yeah, if you're going to be in it for days weeks even months you want it to be comfortable not chafe not squeeze you too much it that's i would say one of the most important things it is and hygiene is important that's too. the other um, um to i mean first i'll just say one of the big problems i've had with uh finding one is there's this assumed ratio between ball size and cock size 
Uh, I'm very much a grower, so my flaccid penis isn't that big, but my balls are quite big. And so I have this thing and where that- if I buy a chesty cage with a large ring, it tends to come with an enormous sheath as well. You know, some of them come now with an array, though. They come with a selection because it, I think manufacturers have started to appreciate that this needs to be more sort of modular, yeah. more sort of you know, swap and, and, and experiment. And I know the, um, the better... But, um... The better producers and manufacturers, if you write to them and ask them for a bigger size or to swap out the ring size, um, they do tend to be quite obliging on that front. You can actually now also, getting back to 3D printing, you can 3D Mm -hmm. print an array of rings that are compatible with commercial chastity systems. Like the Holy Trainer in particular, people have been like, so you tried this ring and you tried this ring and they were both, you know, one was too big and one was too small. Here, I made one in the middle, 3D printed, have fun. Nice. Um, yeah, in fact, there are actually commercial entities now that are doing custom 3D printed chastity. Um, you just go online and you go, okay, I like this design with this part and I want it to look like this. And then they just 3D print everything to your measurements and it's it's tailored to you. It's expensive. But then again, chastity in general, unless you're going to like eBay for, you know, a cheap Chinese knockoff steel cage. Yeah. And that's a point I'll touch on in a sec. But I was just to go back to the hygiene thing. One of the hardest things I found is um, I'm from the UK. So like most of the UK population, I'm not circumcised. Uh, which I understand is a very different case in America where circumcision for a while has been sort of the standard thing to do. Um, And that essentially means I have a tougher time um, cleaning myself if I'm locked up. And one of the hardest things I found is a chassis device which is open enough at the front to properly clean myself after a piss. Yeah, I've run into some of this with my slave in Canada, Cyberwolf. He's originally from Scotland. He's uncircumcised. And he, he manages, but it's a challenge because, first of all, Q-tips become your yeah. friend. You, you've got to make sure the, the end of the cage is open and you can get a Q-tip up and in there and under the foreskin to clean as best you can. You certainly don't want phimosis to kick in. That's, that's a bad scene for everyone. <laughs> Yeah, um, believe me, chastity, keeping clean is a challenge and there are ways to do it. But the more enclosed the system is, the harder it is. Like those seed pods, you can't do a seed pod for months. And I think that's part of why they're not the most popular thing on the Mr. S website. Um, That's kind of the thing for shorter term. There's also a second layer to hygiene people don't often think about, and that's the material itself. Mm -hmm. So you're you're trying to keep your anatomy clean, right? But you also have to keep the cage itself clean, and that goes beyond any one session. And this is going back to materials and even to 3D printing. Um, if I have a steel cage, whatever, use some alcohol, use whatever, you can sanitize that easily. One of the big challenges I found while I was experimenting with 3D printing more customized chastity for my submission 
is that I traditionally print in what's called polylactic acid, PLA. It's a vegetable-based plastic. It's biodegradable. It's not nearly so toxic as materials like ABS, which is the same plastic you would find uh-huh. in Legos. ABS puts off very dangerous fumes. But the drawback with PLA is that it's very porous. And people frequently on the 3D printing forums will be like, I hope you're not doing anything food-based with that because you can never clean that even in the dishwasher. So porous, it will retain bacteria, it will retain filth in it. So when you take that and you translate that to chastity, I had some cases where I was testing those devices on boys and they would come back and even after washing it, it smelled like a uh, French cheese wheel. It was like, (laughs) I'm like, this this is gone, bye, we're never using it again. Go go biodegrade elsewhere. I mean, um, I'm looking could at. Did you not lacquer them before in like production? Tried it. No luck. I've tried. I've tried a variety of things. I've even tried to make the experience more like rubber. Mm-hmm. I've used. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Plastidip. It's uh, something that you can get at hardware stores here in America, and generally it's, it's meant, you know, oh, the grip on my hammer is worn out. I'll just dip it in plastic with it, and it'll give it this nice rubbery thing. Yes. We, I does would... it come in the spray-on version? Because we've used them, um, we basically took wooden clothes pegs and rubberized the tips to make um, uh, nipple clamps. It does indeed. It comes in a spray uh, edition and sort of a paint-on or dunk edition. And I tried that. I tried acrylic. I could never get the acrylic to adhere. Um, there were problems with the tool dip coming out lumpy or inconsistent. And none of them fully solved the problem. Um, now that I've managed to repair my 3D printer after a, a little hiatus mm-hmm. due to the drive mechanism being down, I'm thinking about using PETG. And PETG is the same plastic you find these days in your basic BPA-free water bottles. Um, so I'm going to probably give that a try at some point when I have a spool of, uh, pet G on hand. Uh, right now I do not mm-hmm. and see how that is because that should be less porous and easier to sanitize. Um, but I, I haven't given up on that idea because the early trials that I ran, I was able to produce better chastity cages than I could buy on eBay or elsewhere for less money even than I would have paid on eBay. So it's it's promising, but I haven't quite dialed it in and locked it down yet. What I have been able to 3D print that has been enormously helpful for chastity are combination lock vaults. And those I use to give the submissive an emergency key in case they have to get out. And for the record, this is something I probably should have covered earlier. As a key holder, yes, you have the key to unlock the device. You cannot and should not make it so that the submissive does not have access to an emergency key because shit happens. Yeah, I mean, this is something I was going to cover with um, our little safety section. But I know what one key holder I know basically ahead of time freezes the spare key in a block of ice. So, and asks the sub to keep it in their freezer. See, that's, that's good and not, and I'll tell you why. It's because, as anyone will tell you who's, who's lived in, you know, the American North around Chicago, 
Bees can pass through the brittle ductile barrier pretty easily when it gets cold enough. Um, I know someone who is a lifelong Chicagoan. And one time when he was much younger, he went to go pump gas into his car, uh, finished up, went to grab his car key. It slipped out of his fingers and dropped and shattered on the ground. Really? Um, it gets cold enough in Chicago. Yeah, it gets cold enough in Chicago with the lake effect, too, that if you drop, you know, a key when it's really super cold, that key, because it's brass, will cross the brittle ductile barrier and will shatter like peanut brittle when it hits the ground. Wow. So I don't like to freeze keys. That's a good way to warp or damage or destroy. Right. So that's something to keep in mind, especially because I imagine a lot of lock keys are quite cheap metal. You well, we'll get to that in a bit I mean, too. The other uh, common but, yeah. method a lot of people use is barcoded um, plastic tags. They lock in, and you basically can't get them off without breaking them. And they each have a unique ID number printed on them, so the sub can't take them off and replace them because the DOM will know the numbers changed. That's correct. That's that's one thing folks do. Um, I, I use my own system, and it's proven popular enough that I get people sometimes who are like, can you make me one of those? And I'm like, sure, for money. <laughs> Hard work. Hard work, it has materials involved, and it consumes power. So yes, pay me, and I'll, I'll make one. But they are, think about sort of a, a little sort of hexagonal, almost like cylinder type thing. Uh-huh. Um, I think it's six-sided. Eh, whatever. It, it's, it's, a, it's a cylindrical thing. And it has combination wheels, right, with numbers. You can actually 3D print other things. If you want, there are reels available, customized letters that you can spell out a word or symbols. So you can put a uh, sequence of those. And when you have all of those dials aligned, the vault will open. And you put the key inside, close it, and you scramble up the combination. Of course, make a a note of, of what the one to unlock is. And then I give it to the submissive. And then what I do is I keep a record of that number, but I also set up an emergency autoresponder. This is where me being an IT <laughs> geek comes in handy, where if they email a certain email address, like, you know, unlock Frank at my email address, it will send back automatically the code to unlock the vault. And simultaneously email me to say, uh, for the record, your chastity sub just punked out too. Um, when I'm feeling especially cruel, I also make the autoresponder message something humiliating like, here's, here's your code, bitch. Yes, you gave up. <laughs> uh, things like that. So that allows me to put a key into their possession that they cannot access without me being notified by a, a rather impersonal and unforgiving computer of my choosing. Um, and that's worked the best for me because then I don't have to be like, oh God, okay, yeah, rush across town if you've got to go to a doctor's appointment and I'll unlock you. And once you're done, come back and I'll lock you up again. That gets to be inefficient and concerning if it's an emergency too. They've, they've got to have access on an emergency basis. Yeah. So, so yeah, we've covered comforts. It's got to be cleanable. It should be dis be able to be made discreet unless you're specifically going for something quite bold and to be looked at. Uh, so let's say someone wants to try it for the first time. Uh, what 
are the reasonable expectations for a new Loki and sort of how would you as a Dom take them through their first time in chastity? Well, I'll, I'll tell you how I normally take them through. And that is I have an array of inexpensive Chinese metal knockoff chastity cages that I keep in the playroom in a drawer. And if someone expresses interest, I let them sort of try on a couple. I have a variety of sizes and see which one sort of feels best. And if they want to give it a try, you know, I'm like, we'll lock you up. I'll set you up with the combination vault system so that if there's an emergency, you can send in a message and get the code and release yourself. I'll, I'll know about it instantly, but you can release yourself. And we sort of take it from there and she... You know, are they enjoying it? If they don't like it after a couple of days, you know, they can bring it back. If they do like it, we keep going and continuing. Um, I've had some submissives who at first were reticent about it, but were really drawn to it, who later found that they really liked being locked mm-hmm. up. Um, I, had, I had one who literally stayed locked up all the time because he felt it was helping his mental focus. Um, the, the problem being that eventually I also found out he was swimming in a chlorinated pool in his chastity device too. Oh, what does that do? And, uh, chlorine, it corrodes the lock. It fell apart beautifully. It was like a, you know, those exploded diagrams where they show all like the, the pistons coming out of the engine and all that. It was like an exploded diagram. Yeah. It was like an exploded diagram of a magic locker style lock and, and, for those of you in the audience, there are a variety of locks that can go on cages. The magic locker style is the sort of insertable cylindrical thing with the little fins that you would find in like a holy trainer. Um, China knocks those off now too and, and makes super cheap, super compatible ones. They are so universal at this point that I can actually buy them and insert them into the 3D printed cages that I make and, and they'll lock perfectly. Nice. But they're brass. So chlorine corrodes them and um actually since we're on the topic this might be a good time to talk about the other chastity situation with those locks i've encountered um oh yes yes please tell us your story (laughs) so um my boy bailey has very severe plaque psoriasis um it's a function of his liver um not like you know rub some cream on it and forget it's a very serious thing for which, you know, he's been on any number of medications. And part of what goes with that is if his skin is sort of kept sort of moist and humid, it really flares up. And so we had to find a chastity solution for him that did not involve an enclosing cage or tube because that would irritate his skin. Well, he also has a PA piercing. And if you check around on eBay, you will find that there is a special type of chastity device. It looks kind of like those kryptonite bar locks for bicycles, the one that's got sort of a a curved horseshoe part and then a cylinder that it locks into. Yeah. It looks like a little letter D. Mm -hmm. And we put that through his PA, locked him in, and it was a perfect match for him. It, It finally satisfied his desire to be in chastity in some way even if it wasn't a full cage and he just wore it and wore it and loved it but at one point it had to come off 
for one reason or another. I forget mm-hmm. what motivated uh, motivated that day. And he went, can you unlock me? I went, of course I will. And I put the key up against the opening of the lock and it would not insert into the magic locker. At which point I sort of examine the situation. I see there's a lot of corrosion just from urine because since it's a PA and this thing is sort of taking the place of its normal PA ring, urine's been flowing over it, and, yeah. you know, soap and water and everything else. And it's corroded. I tried to clear out the lock uh, hole, and I got some stuff out, but the whole mechanism had seized. Mm-hmm. And that's because of those cheap magic lockers that are made out of brass corroding very easily. And unlike the other case with the chlorine, it didn't fall apart. It, it, it fused together. So what I wound up doing is, and this is a bit of a, a spoiler for, for folks, so if you plan on watching 10 Cloverfield Lane, say la 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 for the <laughs> next five minutes. Um what I did was I remembered a scene in 10 Cloverfield Lane where the protagonist wants to freeze a lock and shatter it with a hammer. And she takes a, a air duster can, like the type you use to clean your computer, turns it upside down, shakes it, and blasts the lock with a super cold blast of, of this air duster stuff, freezes it and shatters it. And it occurred to me that I had three options. One was the ER, which I don't know what they're going to do because it's not like they have an angle grinder. Uh, the other was the hardware store, which might be a, an interesting humiliation scene in and of itself. But probably they would be like, dude, I don't know if I can take a bolt cutter to that. And number three was me going all MacGyver with an air dump. <laughs> so I had Bailey hold up some, I think it was cardboard I found, um, just generally around the area of his genitals his crotch and his his balls and i said look you know i'll i'll be as careful as i can but we're we're in uncharted territory here and i very carefully froze the lock and when that air duster stuff is blasting upside down by the way it gets cold he could feel the cold traveling up the hasp into his urethra while i was working and all I was hearing from him was, Hari. <laughs> so I, I managed to freeze the lock, and then with my Leatherman tool, which is like a, a big Swiss Army knife for the tech stuff, or home improvement stuff, I was able to break the lock and yank it out and release him. But from that day to this, I have not trusted those magic lockers in any context where they might corrode, because, my word, that was... That was kind of heart-stopping for a while with like, oh, God, I hope I'm not going to give you frostbite somewhere where, you know, you're really not going to appreciate it more than usual. Yeah. I mean, that one thing I will say is part of um, cleaning care routine. I know one of the boys who I know who's frequently in chastity, as part of his cleaning routine in the morning shower, after he's dried off, he takes one of those mini cans of WD-40 spray. And always make sure to essentially spray in the lock and any hatches within the lock on his device. Just as a way of keeping maintenance to make sure it doesn't degrade too much. I think that's brilliant. Silicone lubricant would probably do something very comparable. Um, you know, and, and probably be more more body safe. But at the same time, any sort of lubrication is, is critical. Yeah. Because if you let that lock 
just sort of corrode and seize up. I'm, I'm sure there is someone in the audience who's, who's stroking it right now. And by the way, more power to you, sir. Yeah, keep, yeah. keep at that. Um, uh, who, at that idea of, oh, and the lock can never be taken off. But there are real world consequences to that, too. It's a hot fantasy. But, you know, be careful. Don't wind up in air duster land like I did. Yeah, it's I mean, I have seen videos of people where they deliberately break the lock. Or um, in the case of, um, what was it, the cylindrical locks we've been talking about, they replace that essentially with a bar nail and like pressure cut it off. So it's essentially stuck in there, like to permanently lock themselves in there. I will advise against that. There are serious medical concerns with permanent chastity. And even if you see someone claiming to be in permanent chastity, I would be skeptical of that. There is someone I know in Canada who comes super close mm-hmm. to that definition. Um, I've mentioned that there are some other non-standard forms of chastity. And I, I would say Lucius the donkey is the, the Zen master. Mm-hmm. Um, Lucius is very well known in the furry and kink community. He has a hardcore duct tape fantasy and a super hardcore chastity fantasy where it is not unknown for him to do things like put on a chastity cage and then fill it in with like that good stuff, foam stuff to just sort of completely fill it in. It's not unknown for him to super glue things to his junk um, to lock it down until the super glue wears off. He is, he's kind of in the, the, master class extreme fringes of extreme chastity i would not recommend that um well for anyone but lucius has managed to survive all these many years with his junk intact so clearly he knows he's doing something right but uh you have to be careful when you start getting into extreme fantasies like i'm going to shoot super glue into the lock as one of them not on my watch if you're going to super glue the lock i'm i'm going to 10 cloverfield lane yeah yeah it just just don't do that. It's that sort of thing of some fantasies need to remain fantasies. And that's okay. Yeah. Um, so going back to like the first time lockies, how long would you put someone who's, it's their first time, how long would you reasonably expect them to stay in there for? So initially I'll let them try it for mm-hmm. like a day or two and see if that works. And then I'm like, are you okay to keep going? And if they are, then I'm like, let's try a week and I'll I'll build from there. And it's an interesting thing. Some of the folks who are most drawn to chastity also have the most reservations about long term chastity. Like when I I locked up um, my submissive slate um, in chastity for 99 days. And, you know, in the BDSM channel I I have on Telegram, we all sort of went, hey, congratulations. You should have waited one more day for 100. But we understand you had to get off and you have a tight Mm -hmm. schedule. Um, what happened was there were some people in the channel who were always talking about how much they, they love chastity and love the idea of chastity. We're like, but that's only three orgasms a year about, I went, yup. And they sort of flinch and, and go back. So even people who insist that they're really super into it, you want to take it slowly with them because everyone has a different cutoff threshold. And I think Slake is like one of those rare people who really kept to the chastity 
long term in a way that I really respected and enjoyed and got a lot of pleasure out of. Uh, having him locked up for that long was a blast. But, you know, keep it realistic, I guess, is what I'm saying. Let people let people sort of reconcile the fantasy that's in their head with the reality of how it feels day to day. Because some people who think, oh, I could never do that, suddenly discover, oh, my God, I really like this. I don't want to be unlocked. Whereas other people who will tell you right up front, no, no, you know, Put it on me. Don't take it off. Yeah, yeah. Go get the arc welder. Yeah, they, they'll punk out after maybe 48 hours sometimes. I mean, I've been discussing with some friends of mine about this, and there's this general consensus, like there's this sort of mental wall that comes around the third or fourth day. I mean, for me, I speak from experience where I say, if I'm on a Kanban, four days is my limit, and I can't go past that. But most people have this consensus that on day four, you kind of hit a mental wall and you either have to crumble under that or power on through and it becomes not easier, but something you can cope with. I think one of the things that helps is, and I've had submissives tell me this, if I'm locked in chastity and you're not constantly teasing or using me, it's not good for me. Yeah. Because, you know... I think part of what helps people stay past that barrier and stay engaged with their chastity situation is you have to be present in that experience and be committed to being present in that experience for the long haul on a regular basis. Like once a week, you're going to come over here and, you know, I'm going to play with your butt and I'm going to go and grab the magic wand and, you know, vibrate your cage, but not let you get off and, you know, do things like that to, to tease them and keep them engaged, put them in bondage, um, you know, run your fingertips over everywhere that isn't locked up to get them aroused. You have to keep the submissive in chastity, mentally engaged, and take advantage of that horniness to complete the experience. Or folks will hit that two, three, four day mark and go, I don't know why I'm really doing this. You know, I, I don't feel like I'm getting the two-way interaction with the key holder or the dom that I hoped I would. Yeah. I mean, the big breaking thing for me that I didn't expect was how badly it disturbs your sleep. Like, okay. I do not get good sleep if I'm trying to do a comeban or chastity at all. Well, yeah, and I hear that a lot, and that's because of those nighttime erections I mentioned, um, sort of colliding with the cage. One way you can sort of ease people into that is if you use a longer tube or a larger cage so that they can get fully erect but not touch themselves. That's a good intro, helps them sleep a little better. And then, again, over time, you go to progressively smaller enclosures for their penis as they, they get accustomed to the sensation. Yeah, well, that's pretty good. Um, I think talking about like sleep and that sort of thing, I think it's important we talk about the sort of negative emotional effects it can have. And I speak because two people I know, one a dom, one a dedicated sub, um, they had very negative uh, personal experiences with chastity simply because what they found it made the most was viscerally angry in the sense that the lack of release didn't 
just make them horny, it made their ability to cope with anything go right the way down. And both of them found that they just can't do chastity because it has such a negative effect on their mental headspace. That's that's pretty common, though, with testosterone backup. Um, uh, I have a, a straight friend back east mm-hmm. who once described, you know, not getting laid long as, as DSB, uh, DSB, deadly sperm mm-hmm. buildup. Um, because when you hit a point, you know, you get just sort of angry and frustrated and all of that. I've actually heard some other subs who've had opposite reaction in a negative way where they were in chastity for so long, they found they just lost interest in sex and their libido went down. Um, but I think that's partly because they were locked up and they weren't getting that constant interaction I mentioned. Uh, but in terms of the anger and the rage and like, I, I can't, I can't deal with it. You know, that one I have not encountered with any of my boys. Um, but then again, they also know if they really aren't doing well, I'm, you know, there are two types of doms. One is like the big stern, you know, stone faced guy. And the other is basically a, a, a mean old teddy bear who's using you the way that you want yeah, and, yeah. and is effective. I tend to be more in the mean old teddy bear <laughs> category. So they know if they ask for out that, you know, and they're having problems, they know I'll, I'll let them out. Um, so I think that's why I haven't really run into that problem with folks just getting angry from, you know, things getting backed up and not being able to. Yeah. But it is just a point to know some people just don't have the mentality for to go without orgasms that long. Which isn't to say you can't do chastity. I know a gen, uh, a guy who essentially he has one orgasm a week. And what it is, is he spends most of the week locked. And then I think it's a Sunday he goes over to the key holder where he is tied up and milked. And milked and milked and milked even past orgasm. So he has to go from one extreme to the other. That does mean he gets regular release and regular orgasm, but it's under complete control of another person. And that's, and that's the key thing is quality over quantity. A lot of people sort of measure their, their high scores, so to speak, in terms of days lock, when really it's more what's the quality of the chastity? Are, are you enjoying it? not necessarily about seeing how long you can go that situation you described that's that's like perfect and ideal where someone is saying i'm giving up control of my orgasms and the only way i can ejaculate is on your terms and you might not be so gentle in, in getting everything out at the end of that week. yeah and i kind of dig that that kind of mentality. It, it creates a really fun headspace for him because he can't stand being chastity that long however he knows if he asks for an orgasm it's going to be a very intense experience that won't be entirely enjoyable. Which creates a co- internal conflict in him and he has to try and decide which one's worse. I, I do like that, that sort of school of, you know, would you rather do this or that? Neither one's going to be 100% what you want, yeah, you know, yeah. in terms of I just want to, I want to come and, you know, but I also want to be in chastity. You have to pick, you have to pick your blend. How long do you want to be locked up versus how often do you want to come and what sort of quality of orgasm do you want? Hands-free, hands-on, that sort yeah, of thing. So it's basically finding out what works for you and your dom. Like, as we've discussed, your dom should be very involved in the process. It's not just he locks you up and goes away and forgets about you. There is 
teasing. There are forms of release that aren't like just orgasm through your cock. You know, you can have be milked. Um, just teasing itself can be a bit of a relief. It There are ways to do this and everyone needs to find out what's right for them. Yeah, there's no such thing as one size fits all in chastity, if you'll pardon oh, the pun. <laughs> um, it, it's it's a very personal thing, and there's nothing wrong with submissives or prospective submissives who are interested in that self-locking for a while to test. I mean, we've talked a lot about key holders, but self-locking just to see how you like the sensation and the experience, that's always a great way to start, too is on your terms with you being your own key holder until you're ready to either give up control or ascertain that it's not really yeah. for you. It's a great no-pressure way of experimenting. And it's also a good way to find out what um, cage works for you because you can then go to a dom and say, I know from experience this kind of cage, this ring size is what's comfortable for me. Yeah, and... Some submissives do have their own chastity devices and come to me and are just like, yeah, can you please lock me in this? And I'm like, yeah, I'll lock you in this. Um, a lot of fun. But uh, there's no shame in also, you know, finding what works for you and keeping your own and just saying, when the time comes, we'll work out where the keys are stored, but this is the device that works for me and that I want to be locked in, as opposed to relying 100% on the other person sort of, you know, like with me going through my, my big drawer of chastity to find what might fit you. Yeah. So all throughout this, we've kind of been peppering it with um, safety concerns and what do and do not. Um, so let's, shall we sum up um, safety precautions and how to do chastity safely? Well, we've talked about hygiene being important, and we've talked about having an emergency way out um, for health emergencies and so on. Uh, one thing that I should have mentioned mm -hmm. earlier, because I mentioned cages that have tubes that insert into the urethra. Be really super freaking careful with anything that inserts into your urethra. That is always conceivably a way to get a UTI. Make sure that you don't put anything in there that isn't sterile and that you don't assume you can keep something in your urethra long term. Those, those cages are not necessarily a grand idea for long term use. Even for short-term use, for some people, they can be a little rough. So be careful with those that have insertable tubes in them. Mm -hmm. uh, be careful of, of materials, right? So we've talked a lot about the cheap cages um, that come from China. Yeah. And they're, they're made out of Chinese-grade steel, which means they'll have impurities. They might cause skin reactions you might get you know some sort of you know allergy or flaking i've seen that metal sometimes discolor people's skin a little bit in the mm. same way that a cheap ring I mean, can I've also found sometimes it's really just not steel it's something nickel plated that they've claimed is steel on the dodgy ebay web account they've been using yeah faux stealette yeah. um so this is where a can of acrylic spray can be your friend because uh, this is an old trick that those of us who are also into body art and piercings learned many, many years ago. Have a piece of jewelry and your body's having a bad reaction to it and you want to try and give it one more chance before you toss it. You can sometimes use just a, a clear coat of acrylic over it to put a barrier between the metal and your body to reduce allergic responses. 
With chastity cages, if you've got a cheap steel one or a cheap steel et one, shall we say, sometimes putting a nice, thin, clean coat of even acrylic over it will present uh, a better way to place a barrier between your skin and cheap metal. So, you know, all, all, ideally you should have something that's made out of top-notch material, but let's be frank. Not a lot of people have $500 or more to dump on just a chastity cage, too. And that's why the, the eBay market continues yeah. to flourish. I mean, I used, I got a cheap knockoff um, Holy Trainer, which was plastic. And that had a very prominent seam around the inside of the ring, which really rubbed me. And I just got clear nail polish, which, again, is an acrylic. And just painted on over the seam, and it smoothed it out beautifully. Yeah. yeah, and again, 3D printed is, is an option too. The materials, if you're going to get something 3D printed, for the love of everything that exists anywhere, ask them what plastic they are printing in. PETG should be fairly safe. ELA, you can't sterilize it. ABS, eh. a ABS is a harder, dodgier plastic that's got a history of toxic fumes and other things. It's not not the best so if you're going to go and order out for one of those things please ask what materials they're printing in and do some research yeah um there are medical concerns as we've um discussed you can get yeast infections uti infections if you're using the wrong type um Bimo. yeah uh, bacterial buildup because it's a warm moist environment um, there's also, I've had a friend who actually, it basically destroyed his ability to have erections. And I think that some people do. Oh, yeah, he basically, I get the impression he tried to do it too fast um, for too long, essentially, but instead of easing into it, um, he tried to go for a full month right off the bat. And he succeeded, but after that, he couldn't get a er proper erection for essentially four months. He kind of had to retrain his body to do that. Well, and also, the, the penis is largely a, a bunch of spongy material inside that's meant to soak up blood and expand, right? Yeah. So when you're in super tight chastity, like super tight with those really stubby uh, mm -hmm. tubes, you know, some guys get off on the idea of, oh, yeah, I'm going to compress my cock and I'm, I'm going to lose some length. And there is a certain degree of that phenomena I've heard that seems to, to bear up to scrutiny. But you're largely achieving that, in all honesty, probably by compressing those chambers inside your penis that are in that spongy material. If you can't get as much blood into your cock, it's not going to get as hard. Yeah. Pretty common sense, constantly compressing that. So that's something to keep in mind, and that's also why, as as much as some guys are like, yeah, I want the really short, stubby, uncomfortable thing that looks like it's just, you know, like screwed off a faucet cap or something. Um, I'm not so big on using those because I have my own worries about what I might be doing to a submissive with them. I try to go for the the more comfortable tubes with more length to them. But I also tend to go for the ones that are more enclosed at the sides to make sure that folks aren't getting too much sensation. It's a, it's a difficult balance. Longer but more enclosed, you know, that's kind of the blend I go for. 
a, a mix of health and safety and fun. Yeah. yeah, so it's just make sure you're using good materials, maintain your locks, don't try and go too small too fast. Um, is there anything we've missed? I'm, I'm positive there's something we'll think about in the small hours of the night, but I think we've covered the big ones. Um, the other one being, you know, don't, this is more sort of a safe, sane, and consensual thing. Don't let anyone lock you into something that you don't have the ability to unlock as well. I know it's super hot. I know it gets your engine going, that you're really locked in there and you can't get out, that there isn't like something sitting nearby, frozen in a don't freeze it in a block of ice. We went over that. Yeah. But it, inside some sort of lock or vault or container that, you know, you can get to, you want to make sure you can get E in a crisis. Just do. If you, What if you start experiencing some sort of pain or problem down there and you have to rush to the ER and the other person's at work? You know, common sense thing. Get a key of some sort and just work out a system where it can be kept out of easy access, but it's available for emergency access. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think we pretty well covered it. Um, if people have any more questions about chastity that we've not covered, you can contact us through our Twitter, um, our Gmail account. Uh, we've got a Facebook group. There are many ways to contact us. Yes, and one of these days I'll get back on that. Yes, though. yes. No, no, I've been having a good time on Bear.com community site. And it looks like I've been asked to basically be the web admin for the new uh, UK Fetish Alliance Mastodon instance that's going to be starting up. That's exciting. Congrats, and I will I will definitely head over there, federated or, or actual account on there, either Fantastic. way. So yes, um, if you want to get episodes a week early, uh, you can join our Patreon for a £1 account. If you want to get named as a thank sponsor, like Matthew Amara was this week, uh, you can join our £5 account. Um, we, If you don't want to give us money, but enjoy all that we brought you, uh, rating and a review on iTunes or whatever system you listen on helps us out amazingly, if you can do that. Um, so for me, I'm Craig. And I'm Arzer. And thank you for listening, and play safe. Have fun. Yeah, I think that went quite well. <laughs>